Hey everyone, it's Bobby Newsom, and I want to welcome you to In Focus Podcast. Every week we will be delving into many discussions and topics, looking at them all through the lens of Scripture, allowing Christ and His Word to keep us in focus. Hey guys, Bobby here. I want to thank you for listening to the In Focus podcast today. I'm so glad that you've taken time out of your day to listen, and I hope that you're going to be blessed. Uh, Today, uh, I'm going to get right into what I want to talk about. We see a lot of things going on in the world. We hear a lot of talk about different generations and different age groups. It's often that I, I say things and I realize that I'm getting old. Um, when I when I begin to talk like uh, my parents did, and I begin to say things like, "Well, things were better when I was a kid," and so I guess that that's kind of a sign that I'm getting old. But I believe in the church, and this is something that God has spoken to me and and been speaking to me about for a while now, that we really need to put emphasis and disciple the next generation. If we do not, we are going to see a decline in not only church attendance, but but people who truly know God and truly know his presence. I'm thankful that I was raised in a home um, and around people. I'm a third generation uh, minister of the gospel, and I'm thankful that I was raised around uh, folks that, that understood the importance of prayer, that understood the importance of Bible reading and church attendance, but most importantly understood the importance of walking with Christ um, in, a, in a close, intimate way. And so I believe we need to pass that on to the next generation. If we do not, we are going to continue to see a decline, not only in the church, because I believe that as the church goes, so goes the nation. And I believe what we're seeing now in our nation, the things that we complain about, the things that we talk about often um, and, and we rant about, actually, if you want to go to the root of the problem, it comes back to the church. Because like I said, as the church goes, so goes the nation. I was looking at some statistics, I'm sorry, some t- statistics um, about generations. And I'm going to kind of give you a rundown of the different generations I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so that you'll understand when I speak of these different generations, you'll know who I'm talking about. The first generation is the youngest generation that I'm going to be talking about. It's Generation Z. This is my daughter, uh, my my daughter, my daughter's generation. Um, and this was anyone who was born from 1999 to 2015. In this particular study that I'm going to go over, only teens 13 to 18 were included in that study. But that's from 1999 to 2015. Then you have millennials. We hear a lot of talk about millennials. They were born from 1984 to 1998. 1984 to 1998. That's the millennials. Then you have Generation X, which is my generation. They were born from 1965 to 1983. 1965 to 1983. Then you have the boomers. That would be my parents' generation. Um, they called them the baby boomers. And they were born from 1946 to 1964, 1946 to 1964, and then you have the elders, um, that applies to my grandparents' generation, they were born, any, there was anybody born before 1946, these are the groups that we're going to be talking about in these statistics, um, and some of these numbers are probably going to be very surprising to you, I know they, I know they were to me, um, 
of how people feel about moral issues. There's a lot of talk. We're in an election year, so there's a lot of talk about many things, but there's definitely a lot of talk about morality and moral issues. And so let's let's get and see what Barna had to say about how different generations view moral issues. The first thing we're going to talk about is lying. They asked the question, is lying morally wrong? And this these are the numbers that they got um, by generation. Generation Z, well, like I said, which was the youngest generation, 34% of them said that they believe that lying is morally wrong. The millennials, 42% say that they believe that lying is morally wrong. Generation X, my generation, 50% believe that lying is morally wrong. The boomer, boomer, baby boomers, 54% believe that lying is morally wrong. That's my parents' generation. And then the elders, the older generation, 61% believe that lying is morally wrong. Now, if you ask my opinion, I believe all those numbers are way low. I, I don't think that there should ever be a question whether or not lying is morally wrong, but this is what we're seeing right now. And what you will notice with this, in this particular um, question about lying, is that by generation, as the generation gets younger, um, the less they believe that lying is morally wrong, which means that's a trend. That's a trend toward um, generations believing that lying is morally wrong. And so honesty is becoming less important by generation. The next one is abortion. Is abortion wrong? 40% of elders... My grandparents' generation, this, I believe, I thought these numbers were way low. I couldn't believe how low these numbers were. 40% of elders, my grandparents' generation, believe that abortion is wrong, only 40%. Um, 33% of boomers believe that abortion is morally wrong. 38% of Gen X, which is my generation, which kind of surprised me because it's actually higher than the boomer generation. 38% of the boomer, or I'm sorry, the generation X believes that abortion is morally wrong. And 33% of millennials believe that abortion is morally wrong. And then under 30% of Gen Z believe that abortion is morally wrong. I believe those numbers are crazy low. I can't believe, even of the older generation, that only 40% believe that abortion is morally wrong. And as we see, the latest generation, Gen Z, is below 30%. Um, that, that should be, um, that should be discour not discouraging, but it definitely, that definitely should be something that, that raises a red flag in our lives, the attitude toward life. The next one is marriage. They asked the question, should marriage be a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman? Um, now, there's some pretty big, big sections here. The elders, 66% of them believe that marriage should be a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. So the older generation, 66% believe that it is a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. Um, the boomer generation, 47%, 47% believe that Marriage is a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. My generation, Generation X, only 40% believe that marriage is a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. 
Millennials, 37%, so that's even lower. And then Generation Z, 38%, which is just a little bit above the Millennials, 38% believe that marriage should be a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. Once again, that's a huge discrepancy between the older generation uh, and the younger generation, which means we're on a trend downward. Sex before marriage is morally wrong. This is the next one by generation. This one was interesting to me. I found it interesting. Elder generation. This is my grandparents' generation. Only 22% believe that sex before marriage is morally wrong. I mean, that, that, that should make us wonder what's going on in this world. Um, the boomer generation, 22% believe that sex before marriage is morally wrong. Believe it or not, my generation, Generation X, is actually the highest, although it's not high, but they have the highest, highest percentage of those who believe that sex before marriage is morally wrong at 26%. Then the millennials, 19% believe that sex before marriage is morally wrong. And Generation Z, only 21% believe that sex before marriage is morally wrong. I'm very concerned about these numbers because Scripture makes it very clear to us that we are to walk in purity and that sex is made to be between a man and a woman in the confines and in the, in the covenant of marriage, okay? So that, that, that's kind of disturbing. Um, so we're going to talk, here, here's a couple other things I just got, kind of want to throw in as far as statistics go. Here are some attitudes about morality, not necessarily specific issues, but here are some attitudes. This is also by Barna. Um, they asked a question, and then um, this, the percentage is how many agreed with this statement. Ready? The first one is, what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. So they, they made the statement, what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. And these are the percentages of, of those who agree with that statement. Um, the boomers said 24% of them said that... <clears throat> Excuse me, 24% said that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. So 24% of boomers believe that morality changes according to what society says. 21% of millennials say that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. 18% of Generation X says what is morally right changes over time based on society. Now, this is interesting. This is extremely interesting. Um, I'm sorry, I was wrong. 24% was the Generation Z. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I looked at the wrong thing. 24%. Generation Z, 24% believe. So the younger generation says that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society, 24%. Then the millennials was 21%. Generation X was 18 And then the boomers, which is the elder or, or the older generation, my parents' generation, was 12% believe that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. So what we see here is that that is more people as of the younger generations are believing that morals change depending upon society, that there is no right or wrong, but that changes depending upon what society says. Here's the next statement. What is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. So this is a belief that basically if, it's, if it doesn't seem wrong to you, then it's not wrong. Um, and so Generation Z said 21% believe that morality is individual that what an individual believes is moral or immoral is, is right for them. 21%. Millennials, 23% believe 
that what is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. 18% of Generation X believes that what is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. And then 17% of the boomer generation believes that what is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. This is a, this is a generation this is a generational thing that once again this is a decrease so less people are believing that there is absolute truth in morality they are believing that as long as you're okay with your decisions that that makes that thing moral to you now we know that scripture does not teach that we believe that there is truth that there is absolute truth and the bible said that jesus said i am the way i am the truth i am the life so jesus is the truth and so we go by his word so i just wanted to read those to you to kind of give you an idea where we're at generationally um and by when i was reading over these numbers they definitely brought concern to me because you know i'm 43 years old i'm not really old but i'm 43 but i want to make sure that my children my 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 my, my daughter my grandchildren and those who are, are way after me, who um, at some point won't even remember who I am, I, I want to leave a legacy to them. And it's not a financial legacy or a financial inheritance, but I want to leave an, an inheritance of Jesus Christ, an inheritance of a, of, of a walk with God that changes their lives. And not only changes their lives, but I believe that the next generation can completely bring revival to this world we cannot have the attitude now let me let me say this let me say this that i believe in the second coming of jesus christ i believe that his coming is imminent in other words or or his coming is could happen at any time let's let's say that his coming could happen at any time it could happen today it could happen tomorrow it could happen 200 years from now now, there will be those who say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine. You can believe what you want to. I'm not saying I believe it will be 200 years from now. What I'm saying is, is I have no idea when he's coming. I have no idea when he's coming. What I do know is, is that he is coming. But we cannot live our lives with the attitude, well, Jesus is going to come back. Because when we, you know, Jesus is going to come back. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. We cannot just sit around and wait for his coming. I know we should watch for his coming, but we shouldn't just wait around for his coming. Because the word of God tells us to occupy until he comes. Now, what he means by that is, that is actually a military term that means to take ground. And so, I believed when I was a kid, I believed that... I would never make it to 43 years old. I, I truly believe that the rapture would take place and Jesus would come back and that I would be gone out of here. I, I, there were times where I always wondered if I'd ever even get to marry, if I'd ever even get to have children. Um, and here I am at 43, and I am obviously still here, as, as are you. So my point is this. I, I'm, not, I'm not discouraging Okay, so I, I want to make sure I make this very clear. I am not saying that Jesus is not coming back or that we should not watch for his coming. We should. But we should not live our lives and prepare for the future as though we, have, we don't have one. Okay, I hope, I hope that made sense. We should not prepare, we should not live our lives and prepare for our future as though we don't have one. We must occupy. In other words, we should live our lives saying that 
if the next generation is still around and the generation after that is still around and the generation that I want to make sure that they are prepared to, to be kingdom people, to be kingdom people. Oftentimes what happens is that people get so focused on his coming. And listen, I, I believe we should be focused and watching for his coming. All right. I, please, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. We should be watching for his coming. But sometimes we get so focused on his coming that we don't think about the next generation because we don't think we're going to be here. And I don't believe we can live with that attitude. No one knows the day or the hour that he's coming, which means he could come within the next five seconds, but he could also come 300, 400 years from now. We really don't know. We have no idea. You must remember that the apostles thought they would come, that he would come back in their lifetime. Um, and I've had people ask, do you believe we're living in the last days? I do. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe we've been living in the last days since the day of Pentecost. And, and so we are living in the last days. And he could come at any time. But we must live our lives as though we're going to be here and as though our children are going to be here and as though our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on is going to be here. If we do not, we will not leave a legacy. And so we must realize that there's something to give to the next generation. I want to read a scripture to you out of the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17. It says, And it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now this um, this is actually this is actually a prophecy right out of the book of Joel. This is Peter speaking a prophecy out of the book of Joel. And he was repeating it because it was something that was prophesied. And Peter was saying at that moment in the book of Acts, he was saying basically, this is what is happening right now. In other words, he says, I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. And so he, he didn't leave anyone out in that scripture. He, he didn't leave out women. He didn't leave out any races. He didn't leave out any age groups. He said all flesh, everyone. He didn't leave out any particular, um, particular uh, financial, uh, you know, societal levels. He, he, God don't look at any of that stuff. He said all flesh will have my spirit poured out upon him. So God does not look at those things to anoint. He anoints those who desire after him. Which means you're never too young to have a deep and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You're never too old to have a deep and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're a young person and you're listening to me, don't give in to the lie that society tells you that says, well, you're young, there are things you're going to try. You can live your life free from the world, free and pure in your mind, a life that is sold out to Jesus, and there's no excuses for, for giving in to sin, just saying, well, I'm young, I'm going to try things. There's no excuses for anybody of any age to say, well, I have an excuse to give in to sin. We do not. I believe we need to raise a generation that, that stands up a generation that stands up and says, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different than what society tells me. I'm going to be different than what the world tells me I should be. I'm going to be anointed. I'm going to guard my heart with, an, with and the anointing that God has placed upon my heart. 
And so if we don't raise up the next generation, then, I, then my question to you is, who will? Who will? We have to raise them up. We have to disciple them. We have to disciple them by example. We have to be an example to the next generation. And one of these days, for, for those of you who are younger, one of these days you're going to have to live as an example for the next generation. And then that generation is going to, we have to think generationally. We have to think that, that we want to raise up a generation that will, that will usher in and will be a part of the greatest revival that this world has ever seen. So we must be an example in our relationship. In other words, how we live our life. We must be an example in prayer. Teach the next generation how to pray. If you're part of that young generation, learn to pray. Learn to have a prayer life. Not just when you go to church, not when, just when you're with your friends, but have a prayer life. Every day, the Bible says pray without ceasing. In other words, do not cease to pray. That doesn't mean you have to walk around praying. It means that, see, you don't have to be actually be saying anything to pray. Your mind can be stayed upon Him. Bible reading. Teaching, learning the scripture, not just reading it, learning the scripture, um, being taught in the scripture, having our lives rooted in scripture. That's how we, we have to be an example of that. Also in devotion, we must, we must show and have a devotion to Christ, a devotion to the things of Christ. That's how we bring revival. That's how we lead the next generation into revival. And a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but we need to once again raise the standard of holiness. Now, I'm not talking about tradition holiness. I'm talking about true biblical holiness. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's not a thing you do. It is a lifestyle. It comes out of relationship with Christ. The, more, the closer you get to Christ who is holy, the more holy you will become. And so we must, we must disciple the next generation. And we must disciple them without compromise. Without compromise. In other words, we can't say, well, you know, things are the way you are. You're going to go and you're going to do this. No, no compromise. There's no compromise with hatred and, and, and racism and bitterness and strife and lust and perversion. There's no compromise in these things. Those things are, none of those things are of God. Hating your brother and sister, that is not of God. Having perverse thoughts and lustful thoughts and allowing those things uh, to enter into your mind, th those things are not of God. Walking, walking in arrogance and pride, those things are not of God. We must show them and teach by example, especially, that God has called us to a place of holiness without compromise according to the word of God that we will walk in his love according to the word of God. So we must disciple them in holiness. We must disciple them in being separated from the world. I'm not Listen, we, we live in this world, but we can live in the world and not be of the world. We can be different. We, we can raise up a generation that says that, that when people look at them, they say they're not like the, the Babylonian system, what society says. They, they, they have something deeper than that. And, and so we must do that. We must disciple them. We must also show them love and show them how to love. We must show the love of Christ. We must love everyone enough to tell them the truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus Christ loves them. And it is not his will that they live in sin, that they live in perversion, that they live, um, they, they live a religious life that actually bears no fruit. Listen, I'm telling you right now, God is pulling us out. 
of the systematic religion of this world and he is he is raising up a people that's so different than everybody else and I believe that's, that goes right along with the next generation and God is doing it. God is doing it. So we must show the love of Christ to others. We must be an example of the love of Christ. And we must, by loving them, we tell them the truth. We don't compromise so that they'll like us. We don't compromise so that the world will accept us. There are going to be times if you walk with Christ and you walk with Christ uncompromising, it's going to be hard. Sometimes you have to stand when everybody else is bowing down. And this applies to all ages. Sometimes you have to stand when nobody else is standing. And sometimes you have to stand in the midst of extreme persecution and extreme, um, extreme attacks of the enemy. But you must stand and not give in to the world. That's what the power, that's why we're, we're not anointed just to preach, to dance, to come to church and do the religious thing. We are anointed to live. And part of living in Christ sometimes is standing when everybody else is bowing. And so we must love those around us. We must love those in the church, those outside of the church. We must love the generation after us and even before us enough to say, I'm going to be an example. I'm going to be an example example of what God wants me to be. And I'm not going to give in to worldly pressure. I understand the pressures of this world. I've lived in this world for 43 years just like you have. And God knows, he knows my heart and he knows that I have not been perfect in that. But we must, we must become, we must not give in to the worldly pressure. We must, we must walk in the power and the anointing. People talk about deliverance and they talk about how do I get, you know, I'm fighting this and I've got this habit or I've got this bondage in my life. It's not complicated. I know people have written books, you know, really thick books on how to be delivered. It's not complicated. It, 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 it really comes down to one scripture. Although all the scriptures are foundations, this one scripture will help us walk in deliverance. You ready? In the book of James, it says, Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil. He must flee. If you do that, you will be delivered and you will walk in deliverance that Christ, that Christ bore upon him, upon him upon the cross for you. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. And so this was just this is just a rundown. Listen, this is so much deeper um, than, than, than what I have time to talk about today. But I want to encourage everyone who's listening to me today. If you're young, even now begin to begin to think generationally. Now you may think, well, well I, don't, I don't even have children or you must, you must think about those who are coming. You must think about those who are, who are here now. We must not just think about building ministries and building churches. We, listen, we've got to get out of that. We've got to get back to being part of the kingdom and saying, I'm going to raise up something that even if I don't see it, even if I don't see the fruit of my labor, my, the next generation will. And I believe that God is raising up a generation of young people, a generation of people who are, who are rising up out of the religious order, who are going to stand up for the word of God. I was watching, um, I was watching a live stream um, of, of my, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and sister's church. And my nephew, I was, he, he was leading worship there. And I heard him say this. He said, I'm tired of hearing about what God used to do. I want to see a move of God myself. And man, when he said that, it sent something through me because, because I felt the same way. And I, 
I'm glad that there is a generation who hungers after that, who says, I don't, it's, it's wonderful to know what God did in the past. It's wonderful to hear the good stories. I grew up hearing those stories. It's, and, and I've been blessed enough to even see some of those things. But those stories will not bring revival to the next year. It may help. It may help lead them toward it, especially when there's desire. But we need a move of God now. If ever we needed God to move, we need it now. We need God to move now in our nation, in the world, in our churches. We need a move of God. And so I'm with him when he says, I'm tired of hearing about what God did in the past. I'm ready to see it with my own eyes. The question is, are we ready to see it now so that we can disciple the next generation so that they can see it in the next generation? And so the generation after that can see it. Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 2, he said, this promise is for you, for your children and those who are far off. It did not stop. It did not start with old people and it did not stop with young people. It was for every generation and every person, no matter who you are, no matter what your background, it's for everyone. And so we need to pray that God does that, that God gives us a desire to see his move now so that we can raise up the next generation of godly leaders who walk in purity, who walk, who walk in power, who walk in anointing. Not only power to see the outward things manifested, which is very important, but power so that they, so that they walk in character, so that their lives, so that they, are, they have character when nobody else is looking. When they're by themselves, we, we pray that God raises up men and women, boys and girls who walk in purity and character in Christ. This is what our nation needs. This is what we need from God. And so I just wanted to share that with you today. I hope you've been blessed by this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray before we go. And I'm going to pray that God raises up not only the next generation, but God raises up fathers and mothers in, 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 in Christ who will raise up and take take these young people and the next generation under their wing and disciple them correctly, disciple them into intimacy with Christ, disciple them into the love of Christ so that they walk in purity, so that they walk in holiness. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that when everything that you've ever done, you did with the next generation in mind. And I pray, God, that we would be the kind of people that would think of everything we do with the next generation and generations even after that in mind. God, give us, God, give us a view of life that is generational. Let us walk, God, and disciple and walk in purity and walk in holiness, God. Let, our, let the words that we speak be holy. Let the actions of our, of our body be holy. Let the actions in our thoughts be holy. God, let our, let our motives be holy. Let everything about us be holy. And, I, and God, that only comes in relationship to you. And so what I'm asking, Lord, is that we would draw close to you, that we would know your love that we would not live in fear and guilt and shame, that we would not live, God, in anxiety and fear, but we would live in the freedom that was, that was, that was bought for us at Calvary. And I give you the praise for it. I pray for, I pray for every generation that is alive on this earth, God, that we would step into the roles that you've called us to. 
And God, I pray, God, that you would raise up the next generation, Lord, that, God, they would walk in power. God, they would not be entertainment-driven. God, they would not care about that, God, but they would walk and they would want to see a true move of God. That, God, they would they would hear about the stories, God, of, of the former moves of God, and that wouldn't just be something they'd be happy with, God, but they would say, I want something even greater than that. For because you said in your word that the, the, that the latter and the, the former and the latter rain will be poured out together and the latter shall be greater than the former. God, I believe there is a move of God coming to this world like we've never seen. And I ask God that your people, that me and, and all, the, all those who are listening, God, that our desire for you would be so great, Lord, for every generation that, God, we would walk in the supernatural power of your spirit. God, I pray that you would raise up worship leaders. I pray that you would raise up pastors, apostles, evangelists, prophets, teachers, Lord, that, that, that walk in purity, that walk in character, God, that walk in your power for you, in your spirit and your anointing. And Lord, I speak your power and your spirit and your anointing upon the next generation. And God, every person, God, right now who is listening to this, God, I pray right now that a fire, God, would rise up in them, Lord, that they would stir up the gift of God that is in them. Lord, if they don't know you as Savior, God, God, I pray that you would just just touch them, God, that they would give their hearts to you, Lord, they would repent of their sins. And Lord, I give you praise, I give you honor, and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, I so appreciate all of you who have been listening and, and who have uh, even gotten to me and told me that you were listening. Uh, this, this, the only purpose for this podcast is, is to sh- have an avenue, another avenue to share the gospel. And so I pray that we're doing that. Once again, if you, if you have any subjects you would like for us to talk about, um, you can contact us and let us know, and I will do my best to do that. Next week, I will be dropping a new podcast. Um, and as long as everything goes well, I'm going to have a guest, a special guest. We're going to talk about an awesome subject. So you are not going to want to miss that. Um, I'm praying for everyone. Um, check us out. Check us out next week. Share this podcast. If you're enjoying it, please share it with others so they can hear it too. God bless.